Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of City A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Ravello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Happy Tuesday. How are you? I'm all right, man. Closing in on Christmas, half you know, halfway, just about halfway through the month. A couple yeah. weeks ago. Hope you're all getting your shopping done. Uh, hope you are uh, also, um, you know taking you know you know giving to charities that's 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 a that's a big thing yeah. for me at this time of year too yeah. um you know helping folks that are a little bit less fortunate and um you know counting counting your blessings and counting uh and being thankful for everything that you have and i think reflect that in and sharing some of that uh with those that might be a little bit less fortunate this time of year because they are out there they don't go away uh at christmas so um yeah we know you notice the, notice the graphics there anthony huh um, yeah, we're we're we're, and we're, <laughs> we're uh, we'll we'll do this until we hear from ESPN's lawyers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how are, you? how are you? Have a little fun. We're having a little fun. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, little guy, little guy's got pink eye tonight, so oh, uh, it's a little testy. But other than that, we're good. Uh, getting Christmas stuff done. Just decorated this weekend. Did by the last of my leaves, so uh, I'm I'm good. I'm ready for the the haul to uh to Christmas here and the holidays. So yep. Yep, agreed. I'm uh yeah, no, we're not. we're just uh my wife and I were just kind of fine tuning some of the shopping and and who's going to go out and get what uh for for all of our family and things like that. So um you know, so it's uh you know, it's it's always exciting and you see the see the joy on the kids' faces and that sort of thing and and, and them looking forward to it. So um so yeah, it'll be good. Uh, but we've got there's plenty of calcio in front of us until we get to that point, including yeah. uh, you know was a uh, was an exciting uh, match week uh, fifteen uh, with some more marquee games. Uh, Serie A once again did not disappoint. No. Um, uh, in terms of uh, delivering some pretty good games, some compelling drama, uh, some goals. Uh, the goal of the week, quality-wise, yeah, all right. I I found three. It's, I'm going to be stuck with three. I don't know. Richard might uh, might dig in. We might, might you know we could probably throw in the Mignon double save and make that four. Uh, we do credit goalkeepers. Um, yeah, no, you know do. things like that. So uh we had uh some marquee matchups in particular juve napoli we're going to break down what we saw there we're going to break down what we saw with atalanta milan uh break down the rest of match week 15 um uh round up europe napoli have officially qualified three teams in will the fourth get in milan need to win and need a lot of help uh we will talk about zlatan ibrahimovic returning to milan and we'll finish with the world's most popular hashtag game who won calcio twitter but we start, Richard, with the uh, big one uh, that took place on Friday between uh-huh. Juve and Napoli. Yeah, big game. Obviously, a game where uh, Juventus uh, started out the season very well. You know, obviously going toe to toe with Inter this season. Napoli, we're still trying to figure out their credentials. Are how good are they? Are they a top four team? Can they hang with the top two teams in the league? They go. They got a test last week, and they did not pass. It's fair to say. And then this week. What can they do against Juventus? Uh, look at the lineups in this one. Juventus would be the home team. Uh, in goal, Wojciech Chesney, as usual. 
Back three of Danilo Bremer Gatti, midfield five of Kostic, Rabio, Locatelli, McKinney, Cambiaso with Vlahovic and Chiesa up top. Uh, pretty standard lineup for Juventus. Yep. Um, no surprises for me. I mean, maybe you want to say Cambiaso, but I think he's deserved uh, the start in this one. Thoughts on uh, Juventus lineup in this one? Cambiaso has been playing well, so I didn't have a problem with there. Gatti's obviously in very good form. Bremer, Danilo, they're all playing really, really well. Um, you know, so don't. Uh, you know, don't uh, rock the apple cart uh, or don't rock the boat if it's, um, you if know. If it ain't if, broke, don't fix it. Exactly. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. All of those uh, all of those slogans, all of those uh, famous sayings, uh, yeah. you know, uh, go with what's tried and trusted. Go with what's been working. Yeah, we're trying to add some more uh, football cliches in this one. But uh, uh, look at it. Ain't broke, don't fix it. Mazzotti doesn't really go with that. Uh, Napoli is not in this one. Moret and, and goal. Back four of Natan, Juan Jesus, Rahmani, and Di Lorenzo. A midfield three of Lobotka, Zelensky, and Anguisa. And no surprise there. And then Havarashile, Osim, and Napolitano at the top. For the most part, pretty standard lineup. Uh, obviously, when you see the defense there, Natan playing left back. And then with Rahmani and Juan Jesus in the middle. You wonder how it's going to hold up against uh, Vlahovic, Chiesa, and, and the attacking wingers of Cambiaso and Kostic in this one. But uh, overall, fairly standard lineup. Obviously, the midfield three is what you're going to rely on to kind of carry the team away. And so uh, thoughts on Napoli's lineup in this one? In theory, it can give Zielinski a little more freedom having Natan, who's more of a center back, playing as a left back and deputizing. And obviously, they're deputizing because... Both uh, the first and second choice left backs for Napoli are injured. Uh, Oliveira and Mario Rui. Uh, you have Lobotka in his normal position. Anguisa, who is you know has uh, been a very good player for Napoli. So, uh, and Politano has had a pretty nice season uh, too. And you get Nolsiman back, who is starting to get his legs under him after the injury layoff. So, uh, you know, a good team that could could come in here and challenge Juve. Absolutely, uh, and. We wanted to see what kind of, you know, obviously we knew the road team, Napoli, would have going to have more majority possession. This is what Allegri mm-hmm. likes to do, play on the counterattack. Uh, curious to see how this game was going to pan out. Well, we saw early that uh, Chiesa, very dangerous in his game early on, was seemed to do what he wanted on that left-hand side against uh, Di Lorenzo. Uh, had a lot of chances. Juve's best chance really did come early in the game on the 18th minute when uh, Chiesa blasting down the left-hand side, finds a wide-open uh uh, Vlahovic, Natan just gets in the way there in the 18th minute, blocks a shot, uh, but really nicely done by Chiesa, kind of sprung that out. I think really Vlahovic set, started this whole play, and it, it's fitting that he ended up on him. He should have put that away, but Natan got to give him credit to get in the way there. Uh, Could have been a goal at that point. Napoli's best chance would come just a few minutes later, where Osimhen somehow is guarded by three men, three Juventus defenders. He finds, you know, with, with the, the IQ this guy has, he finds Cavado wide open for a breakaway, Frank. Wide open, mm-hmm. one-on-one against Wojciech Chesney. This is a goal, right? No, no. He thinks he's Simone Zaza and skies the ball. Embarrassment right there in the 27th yeah. minute. Should have been 1-1 at that point. It was 0-0 still. Uh, thoughts on, on, on those two near <sighs> goals for both teams, but in particular the miss by Cavado Well, I'll go with that. I mean, <clears throat> this is one of the rare times where – You've got Juventus in possession and you've got their numbers forward where you're able to catch them on the break. And it was a beautifully crafted counterattack by Napoli. You have got the, you, you don't get, you don't get three or four of those against Juventus. You get that. That was going to be your one. Um, And uh, that's, 
you know, just a shameful miss. I don't know if he was getting cute. He was just trying to uh, dink Chesney and just got it all wrong. It was just a, a poorly taken chance. Yeah. Um, you know, Juve was more than happy to let Napoli have the ball. That was clearly Kvada's best, Napoli's best chance. Uh, Politano had a chance that curled just wide prior to that. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, Kvada had the dangerous chance. But other than that, three other shots from Napoli, and they were very low percentage shots, and even even Politano's. Um, and that tells you about Juventus defensively, and that tells you about the rare opportunity that Kvadatelia had here. You know, countering, uh, being able to counter Juve when they're stretched and they have committed numbers forward and trying to keep the ball. You have got to take advantage of those chances yep. uh, because they're not. You're, you're not going to get another one. Um, uh, so, um, some other thoughts on the first half. Uh, I thought Juve, by and large, just took a page out of Inter's book with the way Inter played Napoli yep, uh, in the previous game. Um, okay, compact the back three around all seamen. Um, you know, make sure you've got guys covering for each other. Uh, you know, let Kvaratselia do his take on stuff on the left-hand side. I think he was main, particularly, I think he was nullified. I don't think Politano was particularly effective aside from the chance that he had in the first half. Um, you know, and then you, re, you you have things come through the midfield. So now Angisa has to come forward. Zielinski has to come forward and try to find those chances. And that's where you can catch them. And that's where you can counter them. And that's what Juve did. Um, you know, uh, Chiesa was dangerous taking on Di Lorenzo on the left. You had Cambiasso coming forward on the right. You had Costage mm-hmm. coming up. Um, Osimhen stayed centrally pretty exclusively against Inter. And the adjustment here is that he comes out of position and it was very interesting. Juve let him go ahead and go wide yeah. when it was in their third. Go and get the ball like if it's close to the corner. Because... You know, Alciman's a lot of things. What he isn't is a take-on artist. He's not going to beat you with a fancy move wide and finish the play, find somebody to finish, okay? He is going to be reliant on service, okay? Um, If he gets the ball in the box, he might be able to take a, you know, quick first step, you know, to the side and get his chance off of that, you know, but he's not a winger. So you you make him go wide with the ball and you make him try to think he's a winger or you put him in a situation where he has to be, you know, it does, you know, and Juve were fine with that and they were smart to do it that way. Um, where Ossiman beats you in 1v1s and where there's wide open space and it's the, the, the counterattack uh, is the grand example there where he's just able to push the ball forward and he's got plenty of room and then clip it across to Kavana who, you know, who missed the chances we've, as we've beaten death. But I thought Juve... Very smart in their approach. Very smart to do things very, very similar to what Inter did yep. in the previous week, uh, you know, to help them get this game over the line and how they dealt with what Napoli do going forward. Napoli's got a real problem here, Richard. Okay? Yeah. yeah. They've yeah. got a real problem because they teams can now play like this. Now, back fours, I'm interested to see how they – get themselves in this situation, but they just dealt with Inter. They dealt with Juve who play a back three. Okay. Um, where it's an extra guy that can park centrally and, um, crowd all seamen, um, uh, all seamen. Um, so it'll be curious to see what teams with a back four do. If they decide to play compact, if they can find some things on the counter, because, 
This is a Napoli team that you can stretch pretty easily and you can catch out. And I think that Juve, it was probably hard luck for them that they weren't up 2-0 at halftime here. Yeah, I mean, I think what Juve did really well in the first half too is they they played their game. They soaked up, you know, the attack that uh, Napoli had, didn't allow much. Then hit them on a counterattack over and over again. And, you know, to your, to your point, you know, the one chance that Napoli is going to get uh, when when they when Juve can't counterattack, they lose the ball. You get a chance to counterattack, and then they had their chance with Cavada, and he misses it. Um, in, Juve played their game to a T, I think. And then uh, I think another thing that was impressive uh, in the first half, and really the whole game, Gatti really mm-hmm. doing his best Chiellini role, uh, getting under skin of the players in Napoli. Uh, in particular, you saw the end of the first half where Gatti got under the skin of uh, Havarashelia. He throws the ball at him, gets a yellow card. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's Chiellini 100%. And right now, I want all Juventini. Well, well, no, no, I'll, I'll say that. Right now, I want all Juventini to apologize to me because when, when this guy started playing, I said, this guy is going to be one of your star center backs. This is the guy to look out for. And, and everyone's like, oh, Gatti sucks, Gatti sucks. Now look at Gatti. He's he's turning into a freaking fine defender player yeah. for and a, a true leader too. It seems like. Um, and more example is that coming out of the second half, uh, you had uh, more play by Juventus and Cambiasso. You know, uh, you mentioned how good he was coming on the right hand side. Had a nice curler in the ball. Really beautiful pass. Finds Gatti back door in the fifty first minute and gets a header in there. Very Chiellini esque again, right? Leading by example again. And one nothing. Uh, Juventus goes up there. Um, I think Romani was. A terrible defensively in that play. Um, you know, a guy, yeah, there's two threats in that box. It's Vlahovic and Gatti in the air. And Rahmani looked like he wasn't even interested in where, where Gatti was. And Gatti had a clear header and good, good placement by him. Uh, goal of the week candidate for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's all that's all Juve would need in the game. They kind of saw the rest of it out, really weren't threatened. Chesney really wasn't threatened in the game overall. It took no. maybe 70 minutes before uh, they got a shot on goal on, ta- on target. So, um, really well, good defensive job by Juventus. Um, I don't know if it still tells me anything about, about Napoli. It tells me, you know, Juve are, are a serious threat to enter this season. But Napoli, I'm still, it's, it's the verdict's still out for me because, you know, it's closest rival at the moment in terms of points and, and where they are on the table. It's Milan, and Milan have suffered the same fate against these two teams, both Inter and Juve. So, uh, maybe it doesn't tell me too much about maybe all this does is tell me that Juve and Inter are the cream of the crop this season and everybody else is just below par. I mean, the thing that they have in common is that they're the two most organized teams or the two most defensively disciplined teams in the league. Yeah. Um, you could probably throw Bologna in that conversation. They do it a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think that Napoli got a real taste of it and they come away in those two games with zero goals. Um, so and and you can't really point to Osimhen's fitness because he played the whole game. Um, you know, and Cavaracelia is playing for long periods of time, but Politano's playing for you. You've got your guys. There's no excuse. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that Napoli have real problems against teams that want to play, and this goes all the way back to the last eight against Milan in the Champions League when when uh, when Pioli decided to. Uh, defend, compact things, uh, make sure there wasn't any room for Ossiman, and then took their chances with Calabria against Fadizalia 1v1. Yeah. Um, you know, and it worked out for them because for 179 minutes, Milan didn't concede a goal in those two games against Napoli. Napoli would, you know, I think Ossiman scored a late goal, but um, Milan had the tie already decided. So, yeah. uh, you know, so... There's 
incredible talent on their team, but the collective is going to have to find different ways now to unlock because I think they're figuring out the Ossiman runs. Uh, they're figuring out where they can, you know, where they can basically channel Quadratelia too, so yeah. that he's not dangerous when he's getting when he's dribbling in those one v one situations and he's not creating as much. Um, you know, they I gotta think figure, they got to figure it out defensively too. I mean, eight goals in the last three games—that's exactly way too much. And especially if you're not scoring that much, that's way too much to give up. Yeah, granted, it was Inter, Real Madrid, and Juventus, but still, eight goals is a lot to give up in that short amount of time. Yeah, agreed. I, um, you know, applaud Juve. I think that it was very, it was a very smart approach by Max Allegri. Um, yeah, I, I, I literally, Max probably watched that Inter Napoli game and looked at his assistant coaches and said, we're just going to go do what they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to overcomplicate this. We're nope. just going to go out and do what Inter did. Yeah. You know, they're not going to score as much as Inter did, which, you know, because they still have trouble scoring despite the talent yeah. that they have up front. But um, the results were the same. So, yeah. um, but this is an issue for Napoli. I mean, and they're going to have to deal with teams down the road that are going to look at this and say, we go, we get organized, we get compact, we take away spaces, we can hit them on the break, and 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 there's going to be teams in the Champions League. Napoli's going to have a difficult draw for the second round of the Champions League that'll be able to figure that out, and teams in this league are going to be able to figure that out. Yeah. As for Juve, it's just it's another statement performance for them. You know, in terms of their credentials for the Scudetto, they're right there, um, and. Nobody likes it, but they're more than comfortable winning the way they're winning. Yeah. And, and, and Juve fans aren't – most Juve fans don't complain either. So It's all about know. the three points for Allegri. That's all he cares about. It's not style points. It's three points. That's what we keep saying here on this podcast. Yeah. So, um, saying it for damn too every, – every year with podcasts, it seems like. Yep. Yep. <laughs> every year we got to keep reminding everybody about that. But people want, people want their teams to be, no, no, no. We need to go out and we need to score – Five goals a game. We need to play like Man City, or else it's not good enough. It's just like yeah. you know. Now these days, you say you play like Inter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 what you got to be striving for. Play like Inter. Yeah. yeah. So 100%. I I think Inter. I hate to say it as a Milanisti, but Inter can be beautiful to watch. That when they counter and when they have it, it's they're one of the top teams in Europe. Period. Yeah, yeah. It's as enjoyable to watch as any anything that anybody else offers in this in in on that continent. Long so. as it's, long as it's not the Derby, it's enjoyable, enjoyable to watch. Yep. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, you know, I'm going to crack open a beer. Cause we've got to talk about Milan. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, against Atalanta, a, uh, three, two win for Ladea. I had this pegged as a Milan win. And I mainly because of Atalanta's struggles against the, um, uh, top half. We talked about it last week. Coming into this game, just one point against the teams that are sitting in the top half of the table. Okay, and they may not have even deserved that point. Uh, so it had been di- disappointing. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that Gasparini listened to us last week. There you go. Um, we gave him all the motivation he needed. That makes but sense. But anyway, <laughs> yep. Uh, Atalanta comes out in a three-four-one-two. Richard, they had Musso in goal. They deputized Deron as a center back with Jim City and Scalvini. Yeah. Uh, Pasolic, Ederson uh, holding the midfield. 
uh, with Coop Miners in front of them. And then it was uh, Zappacosta and Ruggeri in the wingback roles. Uh, Lookman and DeKicktalada getting the start up front. CDK getting the start up. Was it, was, when you looked at that, it's like, oh, Max is trying to prove something here. This is why... This is where we're, this is what we're getting here. The, he wants to he wants to stick it to the Rosanetti. Skamaka's yeah. perfectly fine, but he's not going to come out. We're not going to play him. We're just CDK hat trick coming. Yep, <laughs> yep. He, I, I think I think uh, I think that he was all Gasparini was all in on the narrative, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. And I think you know you have to, as a manager, understand where where motivations may happen, right? And maybe he he saw a practice that you know, and he knows CDK that hey, he wants to show his his technical still his boss Milan that he is a player and that they made a mistake by letting him go. And any time a player faces our former team, especially when there's circumstances similar to CDK where it wasn't a a, a great departure, or friendly departure that you want to show them up. And so you use that motivation and sometimes you kind of put them in there and say, Man, go for it. Surprises. Yep. And I oh, see the KF played fairly well this game. Yep. Um, coming back on Milan four, three, three, a uh, patchwork back four once again, Mignon and goal Calabria Tomori, Teo in the center back role, Florenzi on the left midfield, three of Loftus cheek Reinders and Eunice Musa. And then up front, it was Giroud back after a two game suspension. Flanked mm-hmm. by Pulisic and Semi Chiquese. So, uh, Leo, not quite ready for this game. Uh, no. Thoughts that – and did he travel to Newcastle? Uh, I heard that he will be ready for Newcastle. I don't know if he traveled, but I heard that he was supposed to be ready to, for the game. So, I'm assuming he did. I, I think the chat will come through and be able to tell us that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, But thoughts on the, the, the 4-3-3 and Pioli selection? Um, uh, oh, anytime – Florenzi plays, and I know we have a center back issue right now with Milan. Yeah. But anytime Florenzi plays, it worries me. Uh, at least mm. you had him in the, the you know the wing back position versus Musa, who cannot play a position at all. So I think that was an improvement, right, from the past. But I mean, overall, it's the best you got at the moment. Honestly, you don't want you know Benasser is just coming back to the fold. You don't want to rush him into the starting lineup. Um, you know you. There was talks about maybe bringing Gabi off of loan and put him back on the team because they're hurting defensively with with center backs. But I mean, this, this is the best you could do at the moment. I think Loftus Cheek and 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 really the midfield in general, Reinders and and Musa. I think the three of them complement each other well. They've been playing very fairly well overall this season. And so you know, if it's going to be difficult against a, a team like Atalanta, especially that midfield who tend to run things in that show, uh, no matter the formation. At least you have those three guys that are kind of get it going, and then you got Giroud back, who he's opportunistic. This is he's a poacher. He's a his whole career. He just is in the right place, at the right time. You give him a chance, and he'll put it away. And so that was you know Pioli's tactic in this one, I thought, and uh, yeah, fine lineup for me. A uh, uh, lineage uh, on the Milan bench, by the way, Lapo Nava, uh, mm. one of the backup goalkeepers. Uh, his father, Stefano Nava, played for Milan in the early 1990s. Yeah. Uh, that- uh, right. He was a defender, uh, clearly not going to see regular playing time with that back four, but got spot no. starts and, no. you know, carved out a pretty decent career for himself. And now his son is a goalkeeper, 19 years old. Uh, so just thought I would point that out. He was among a bunch of kids that were uh, on the substitute bench. And that just kind of speaks to the injury crisis. So. My concern here, and I, you know, and I, I listened to the buzz, and everyone was talking about Atalanta look great, Atalanta this, Atalanta that, Atalanta should be up by more at halftime. Okay, counterpoint. They look great because the distance from Giroud to the two center backs 
for much of the first half was at least 50 yards, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, a ton of confusion uh, with the Milan def- shape without the ball. Um, forwards think they're pressing. Defenders think they're low. They're playing. They're supposed to play lower. It's not the customary high line because mm-hmm. all of the parts aren't there. So then the midfield. What is that? What ha- so what happens when you have a three man midfield? They gotta make it. Do they go support the forwards? Do they sit back and protect the back line? Well, none of them knew what the hell was going on. So everybody's all over the place. So it's easy for Atalanta to go ahead and play through them the way that they did. Um, and any team in Serie A is going to go through you the way that Atalanta went through Milan if that's going to be your team's shape. Um, you know, so very easy to play through lines. I mean, and in particular, the gaps between the midfield and the defense were worrying. You do not have a no. solid regista tackling ball winning midfielder right now among that midfield three, which makes this formation very, very hard to play further. If you have a patchwork back four and you're going away, priority number one is to protect that back four. Okay. And I don't like, I don't like the pressing approach um, in that environment against Atalanta. I would have been more compact hindsight's 2020, of course, but I would have sat those midfielders in front of the back four. I would have withdrawn the wingers, okay, and then keep Giroud at a high point, invite them in a little bit, and then counterattacking would have been fine against this Atalanta team because what have we always said? When they play with just those two center midfielders in front of the back three, you can stretch them if you decide to yep. if you decide to hit on the break, if you decide to take that, that approach. And we've seen it happen a lot, um, especially with – um, Darone deputizing as a center back in that back three for Atalanta. Okay. Yeah. And not yeah. playing in his normal midfield role. I think there were spots to take advantage of that. I think Pioli whiffed there. Okay. Um, and it, it, it created tension. And now you're putting a lot of pressure on Tamora. You're putting a lot of pressure on tail. The first goal comes on an unfortunate deflection, but mm-hmm. quite frankly, Atalanta could have had two or three in the first half because of the way Milan approached this game defensively. So, you know, obviously the players are not doing their part in this in this formation and everything, but uh, I think, you know, based on you know, just your analysis right there of how the gaps are so wide and, and how, like, even the midfielders didn't even know where to play at times, shouldn't this be – and you you mentioned how Pioli whiffed on, on, on several things in that first half. It seems like tactically he whiffed on it because – his players should have been ready for those positions. They shouldn't know where they're supposed to be doing. What mm-hmm. are the forwards, defensemen, and midfielders all supposed to be doing? They should know that going into the game. Yeah. When you see Darun as a center back, how are you not attacking that? You mentioned that how he whiffed on that. You need to be attacking that, uh, much like Adam Lukman attacked Calabria, who has been known to to struggle against pacier wingers. He mm-hmm. Gasparini exploited that. Why couldn't they exploit what you know against um against Darun and, and company? So yeah, there were there are things that tactically they messed up, and as a result, the players played even poorer. <laughs> right? Defensively, yeah. both teams are bad, but I think Milan were certainly struggling with the gaps you talked about, letting Atalanta have all this room to you know kind of create. And like, when you got guys like Colt Miners, you got CDK playing the way he was playing in this game, Lookman, uh, it's gonna cause chance after chance, and you know. CDK had a glorious chance missing within a six-yard box where he should have he scored there. Um, uh, you know, it's just so many so many opportunities for Atalanta first half. They should have had a couple goals in the, in the game early yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in, in you know, and Dominic's asking about in Durham, would you consider that a patchwork defense also? Yeah, I would consider that. But it, it did not trouble Atalanta as much because Atalanta um, 
Well, let me just look at the first half statistics. Okay, Milan had more of the ball. Atalanta were smart um, in how they defended and how they protected him. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, they didn't go and do a lot of wild things. They didn't go out and get overly stretched. Okay. Uh, I think that this is where you take a look at a player like Aderson. And I think that take all the goals away, take all the goals away. And I'll tell you this, I think Aderson might've been the best player on the pitch. Um, because of his ability to support the defenders, provide some cover, uh, help block out some passes, make things a little bit difficult when Milan were going forward. Um, so, uh, I thought it was a good performance by him. Um, you know, I think that the the wingbacks took a responsibility. They, they don't like to. You know, you look at Ruggieri and you look at Zappacosta, they want to go forward. Uh, but Atalanta certainly played with more discipline. And to Dominic's point, to follow up on Dominic's point, they did a better job of protecting their patchwork defense in spell, for, for large periods of time than, than Milan did protecting theirs. Um Ultimately, the defending across the board was terrible um, from both teams. Uh, you had the, the the tying goal where Giroud scores. Um, you know, I mean, Bonetti made the comment about there wasn't even a challenge on Gatti in the Napoli defense. The Atalanta players didn't challenge Giroud. No. Um, One guy you should, know. you don't. Yeah. Yep. So, in the end, Milan are lucky to be 1-1 at halftime. Um yeah. And uh, because uh, prior to that corner, they didn't produce anything. And I think that you got to give credit to Atalanta for setting themselves up in such a fashion that it was impo- that it was difficult for Milan to do so. And when, when Milan lost the ball, some of it was th- they were stretched. You had defenders dropping off. You had forwards trying to win the ball where they lost it. And there was all of this room for Atalanta to play. Yeah. And you saw the, the, the inability to, you know, have an idea what kind of tactics they need to implore this one. The way the fact that they weren't prepared at all, it showed on the first goal by Atalanta because a quick throw in by Koopminers, very smart by him, finds Lookman. Lookman goes and scores a nice goal uh, to make it one nothing at that point. And then obviously it's at one one at halftime, but this should have been two, maybe even three nothing at, at, at you know Atalanta's favor in that first half. Um, so you know, the clear gaps that you thought would be corrected at halftime by both managers, and it wasn't. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. I thought that Milan played more compact in the second half. Okay. And Atalanta had a little bit more of the ball in the second half. The possession in the first half, Milan had it for two thirds of the first half. Uh, it was a coin flip for the second half. Atalanta had it maybe slightly more. Um, but Milan played with more compactness in the second half, made it difficult in general for Atalanta. They were still getting their chances. They forced Brian Young into some saves. Um, that double save in particular was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Salvini of all people get the first shot off. So Milan going back to being a little bit more compact as a unit and defending as a team and co- trying to come forward and doing a much better job. There were just issues with when they won the ball, trying to go forward, the passes were misplaced and you could see Atalanta winning it. So Atalanta started to, started to squeeze things a little bit more. Um, Milan couldn't put together a cohesive counterattack. You know, it certainly didn't look anything like what you saw when Juve countered Napoli and then the, the chance between Ossiman and uh, Fonitalia. So, um, and then it took the second goal from Atalanta, which I thought the positioning from Milan was fine. The numbers were there. The numbers were around the ball. It's a ball. I mean, when you look at that ball that got to Decay Tolari, 
it's a ball that go back and look at it. It's a ball that just leaks to him. I mean, you had three or four Milan guys there and nobody pounces on it. It was a second ball that somebody should have acted on and won. And you have the numbers to be able to play through there and get out. Instead, nobody gets to it. And it just leaks to Decatelari, who takes a touch, and then he puts the ball across. And uh, who scored the goal again? Um, Lookman. Lookman. Lookman again. Once again. Yeah. Lookman got his second goal. So 2-1 at that point. Uh, your reaction when Milan fell behind for the second time? Of course, CDK. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know you, you know, he was going to be involved somehow, whether it be a goal. It had or to be first. him. And it had to be him. Uh, well done by him, too. You know, the ball came to him, and it was still – I think Milan was positioned fairly well on that play when he had the ball, but he outmuscled his, 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 you know, as a defender, got a little room and made the ball across perfectly, laid across the six-yard box so that um, Lookman can put it, put it away. And he, he still had to put it away because Magnon was right there and he, and he blasted the top shelf. So you know, kudos to CDK and and Lookman for putting that away. But uh, yeah, he he seemed like he was motivated in this game. Um, probably should have put away that one early in the first half and had a couple of couple other assist uh, opportunities in the game. But uh, yeah, I thought, um, of course, CDK, why not? Yep. Um, going the other, and then, so then Milan starts to have more of the possession and starts to carve out some chances and, and Atalanta sits and defend, you know, tries to defend their lead, uh, defends in numbers. And I mean, Jovic scores. It's what you want Jovic to do. But how many Atalanta players had a chance at getting to that and clearing that? I mean, it was yeah. more schoolboy defending this time from Atalanta to make it 2-2. Yeah. Yeah, it was absolutely uh, poor defending there. But uh, in, in, in just before that goal, too, or I would say just after just after Atalanta's goal, CDK, like minutes later, came down and easily beat Calabria. Nino scored again, made it, almost made it 3-1 there. But yeah. you know, Milan leveled out, and they kind of got back to the game. Once Jovic got in there, you know, he had a sneaking suspicion that he he's going to find his way to the goal because I mean, he obviously scored last game. He's starting to get his rhythm back, it seems like. And, you know, no one's defending him. Again, poor defending is what we've seen all game long by both teams. And Jovic, you know, wide open, just tap it home. I mean, he'll take those all day. He'll he'll score those all day long if you love him to do it. So, uh, yeah, you know, Atalanta, they're letting Milan have the ball. But, you know, you let someone have the ball, you have to play well defensively. And they weren't doing that. And there's the goal, 2-2. And you're like, yeah. I thought it was yeah. over at that point. Yeah, and, and and but then there's the lack of discipline again. I mean, Milan's shortcomings are coming down to individual players either lacking concentration or discipline. And on both of Calabria's yellows, they were both dumb fouls. Where was the guy going in both cases? Okay, you had players to cover after you were beaten. Two unnecessary yellow cards equaling a red, and now he's out. Uh, for the months, it's, it's Monza on, on the weekend, right? For Milan, yeah, I believe um, so. Yeah, so he's out for that game, and now more shuffling for Pioli to do. Yes, Monza, and and then the Muriel goal, which is a goal of the week candidate. Beautiful back heel by him. Give him all the credit in the world for finding that finish. But go back and look at it. Yasin oddly completely quits on the run. Yeah. yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. So I mean, completely quits on the Muriel run. And, I mean, you're looking at – I mean, it's – I don't – I'm trying to get my head around it because, I mean, these are – these aren't mistakes that you expect to be made at a professional level. 
No. Okay. You the, the two fouls that Calabria committed were completely, completely unnecessary. Um, the just failure to attack a free ball so that you know that that just lands to decay to Larry crosses it Lookman's supposed and then oddly quitting on the run that Muriel made. I mean, these are all just I mean lack of discipline, lack of concentration, call Kubo it what defending. you want. It's yeah. a combination of all of it. And these are the things that are plaguing Milan. They're third. After all of this, they're still third. Um, but, I mean, they got to go back and hope, you know, how do you blame Pioli for this stuff? You know, that's the one thing. You, you're going to go right back and, okay, they lose 3-2 at Atalanta and here comes the Pioli outcrop. How do you blame Pioli for individuals who are professional and know what their responsibility should be and know better, but don't do their, you know, but don't follow through and do it. That's, that's where I get confused here, you know? Um, and, and okay. Oddly didn't get quit on that run from Muriel because he didn't believe in, he doesn't believe in Pioli and Calabria didn't commit two silly fouls because he didn't believe in Pioli. Cause they're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's that simple. I mean, it's that simple. It's it's a combination, though. I think I think it's people, players being idiots, right? And and Calabria wasn't the only idiot to make a stupid red card this weekend. But he he's been playing poor lately. Obviously, oddly, a lot of the players have you know just weren't in the right frame of mind. But it also is a bit of Pioli because we you know we talked about it, especially in the first half. I was like, tactically, he wasn't ready for this. Gasparini yeah. outmanaged him in a way because he was more prepared to attack the weaknesses of Milan versus the other way around. And so, um, yeah, I think it's it's a blame all the way around. They it's better better accountability needs to happen from the, the entire team. But like I said, those players are making horrible you know leave, horrible makes, mistakes in, in their judgment, and um, it doesn't help. And in these kind of situations, when you have those kind of errors in judgment, it just multiplies and the, the results are even worse than what you expected you know in a, on a good run you have a mistake like that and nothing happens you know maybe a, a save but when it's going bad the, everything's caving in on them and every 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 mistake leads to a goal it just seems that way uh or a red card in Calabria's case yeah. so yeah it's just uh idiots being idiots and then manager does have some issues as well so yeah i mean I'll slam Pioli for that first half approach. I mean, what was the plan? Defend you. You've got a makeshift back four, and you're not protecting them on the road against a team that can attack and is capable of producing goals. Um, I'll give him credit because it appeared that he said something at halftime and made some adjustments. Because when I look at the shape, okay, so I'm saying the first half, the distance from the forward to the two center backs was at least 50 yards. Second half, it was more like 30, which is what which is more ideal, okay, in terms of a team shape. Um, 25 to 30, somewhere in there, if you just – and I'm eyeballing it. I'm not – you know, I don't have any special thing to scan it. But, um, you know, but individ, there were individual errors that are just lack of discipline, lack of concentration, lack of professionalism, you know. They're in the position to get it right and to avoid it, and they don't follow through. Um, and on the flip side, I think Atalanta had some brilliant moments by some of their players. You know, sure. Lookman, 
I mean, Morial's going to get all the credit for this goal because what he did on the goal, but Baranchik took out two guys and the little deft pass he made with the outside of his foot to sure. get to Morial was beautiful. Just brilliance all the way around by, by Atalanta when they needed it. Milan yep. could not produce except for the Magnon double save on Scalvini mm-hmm. and Lookman. So, I mean, the, you know, your stars came up to the game. That's what happened. That's the difference between really the two teams. You know, both teams had idiots on their, on their team, it seemed like. Uh, no defense, but, uh, you know, the stars showed up for Atalanta and Milan, they did not. I don't think my opinion of Atalanta changes. I think it's a nice win for them. I don't think they're a top four contender from this. Um, Did it make things a little bit more snug with some of the other results? Roma tying Fiorentina 1-1. Yeah, of course it did. But um, I think the best thing, I think the saving grace for Milan here is that Roma and Fiorentina cannibalized each other and split points. Napoli lost. Bologna won. Okay. Uh, but, but, you know, Bologna had Salernitana. Bologna had the worst team in the league. So you probably had to expect that that was coming. Um, but I don't think my opinion really changes about Atalanta. I think they're a contender for a lower tier European place. I don't think this is a result that they look at and say, yeah, we can kick on and be top four now. I think there's still a lot of issues with their team. Um, yeah, especially the, among them. Yeah. Especially on the defensive side. I don't think Milan had the, the quality or the team. They got a couple of goals. I mean, but full strength. Layout with Daron on that side in the back three. I mean, I don't want to get into the hypotheticals. We know we don't do that here, but you can't help but wonder what would have happened um yeah. if he was fit for this game, you know, and the and the role he would have played. Seeing a midfielder playing as a defender. Yeah. Uh I think a player like Leo would have been salivating at that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I you, think... Do you question why wasn't Pulisic more featured then as a result of that? I mean, he did get an assist. Yeah. I mean, and also Chiquese is just not working out at the moment and you got to maybe not start him as much. I mean, he's only been starting recently, but it just, Every time he gets on the pitch, he doesn't do anything. I think Pulisic's been the one guy outside of Leao who's been creating opportunities, and he should be more of a a guy who you the lightning rod of the team that you kind of focus on and try to build everything around at the moment while Leao's out. And then he'll get it to he'll get it to Giroud. He'll find his way to get into goals, goal opportunities, I should say. So yeah, I, that that left me my head scratching there. Um, yeah, it just. Uh, Tactically, again, the first half, it just left me dumbfounded, like what the hell they were doing. And then, you know, idiotic plays all, all the way around. But Pulisic, and you got to you gotta rely more on Pulisic. They do. And I think Musa mm-hmm. put him in the right position. He'll help the team out, which we kind of saw in that second half. But uh, overall, they, they kind of like wasting – they're putting bodies in, in positions that aren't best to their abilities. And we saw right. Musa a couple weeks ago and right back. Like, it doesn't work out. So, Piola's got to get his head out of his ass as well. Yep. Um Trying to think what I was going to say here. Chiquese is your classic need to adapt guy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're starting to see more players come into City out from other leagues right off the and, and right off the bat hit the ground running. Uh, but we still have those players that need a handful of games, need to change it up, need to need to kind of get used to it. Um, you know, whether it's cultural changes, whether it's the the, the tactical rigidity, combination of all of it. You know, Chiquese is looking like you're. He he didn't. He's not all of a sudden a bad player. Um, 
you know, because he's in Milan and, and in Serie A. Um, I think it's it's gonna it's it's gonna it's gonna take some time. The, but the, Anthony brings up the point about understand if Cardinelli decides to move on from Pioli at the end of the season. I think we're all in that mindset right now that that's when it should happen. Although there's yeah. some stories were brought up that Ibra, they could decide they could decide Pioli's future after the Newcastle game tomorrow. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I don't. I don't agree with that. It's because top four is so the goal, and yeah. long, you know, for us old school Milan fans, yeah, we want Champions League. It's Champions League or bust. But you know, you look at you have to look at what Cardinale is thinking. He's thinking about the money game. The money game is top four, uh, and so long yep. as they're in the top four hunt, they're they're firmly in third place at the moment, four point cushion over over Roma. Why why would you mess with that at the moment? Um, so exactly. I would, I would wait to the end of the season, honestly. Uh, I mean, more opportunities to to get a Deserbi or find somebody who's available or could, can be bought out versus someone in the middle of the season, which you're not going to get anybody. Right. Uh, so yep. um, yeah. Yeah. And I, and to Dominic's point, Allegri and, and Inzaghi, their, their, their MO is more about yelling at their players and, and motivating them that way versus Pioli. Pioli is a sit back kind of guy. He's like Ancelotti. You'll never see Ancelotti get mad. He just waits, waits and says what he's got to say at halftime. Yeah. Ancelotti and Pioli are players, coaches, you know, yep. Um, yep. they're man managers. They're not, they're, 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 they're not, intense you know uh you know fiery guys on the sidelines so and, and conte as a player's coach as much as he is he's still super fiery on the bench exactly. uh, on the sideline and so he will yell at the players during the game he might chase them out on the field for all you know when he's really angry but uh yeah they're just different type of personalities and um maybe maybe that's what this team needs is a fiery coach on the sidelines i don't know i'm not saying conte is the one but um you know they maybe they're just they're they're flummoxed in they're tired of his ways and, and it's just not clicking what he's saying, you know, whatever motivation he's saying at halftime or in practice is just one in one year out the other. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's the only thing I can think of. Got it. All right. Well, those were the two big ones. Uh, why don't you share with us what happened with the rest of match week 15? All right. There were other games in this weekend, weren't they? Uh, let's go first with uh, Hellas Verona against Lazio. Uh, Lazio got the goal scoring starter early. Goal of the week candidate, uh, Bazakani, a backhill flick. No celebration against his old team. Uh, wonderful goal there. Made a one nothing. You thought that Lazio were going to sit pretty, but they kind of almost set back. It seemed like it kind of allowed Hellas to come into the game. Um, Tomo Henry. He gets a goal. This guy seems uh, very similar to you know Simi, who we'll mention here in a little bit. Uh, they just, you know, they don't have necessarily the greatest skill set, but they always find their way into the back of it. The they always do. Tomo Henry did this at Venezia. He's doing it now for Hellas. Now he's back and healthy. He equalized in the 70th minute to make a 1-1. Andre Duda had a Calabria moment or a Lukaku moment. Uh, <laughs> it was a red card in the 77th minute, uh, but uh, neither team could get all three points. This one, they shared the points 1-1 there. Moving on to the cream of the crop, Inter hosting Udinese. Uh, this was a clinical performance by Udinese, or by Inter, excuse me. I guess Udinese, difficult to do these days. Uh, but Chalanola scored a penalty in the 37th minute, uh, clutch six for six of the season, uh, followed up by DeMarco with a goal of the week candidate there in the 42nd. Nice blast there. Uh, followed up in the 44th minute, just before halftime, Taram backdoor off, off a nice cross, uh, taps at home, 3 nothing at halftime. Um, Inter sitting pretty, just cruising at the at that at that at that point in time, and you know, really, they just kind of saw the game rest out, really just dominating that that game. Uh, Latar Martinez, goal of the week candidate, really did well to you know strip Pereira, I think it was in midfield, and just take it coast to coast and scored a goal in the 84th minute. So Inter win 
four nothing. Uh, impressive. I mean, it's Udinese, but it's still a uh, impressive performance uh, for me from Inter, just because the way Udinese yeah. is a difficult game. It, it's a difficult game, home or away, uh, and they just dismantled them completely. Uh, Frozenone, Torino, they didn't get the memo about the goals and poor defense. Well, they did have poor defense, but uh, didn't get the memos for the goals. Uh, nice, def- nice, you know, nice plays, I think, um, by both teams. They had their opportunities. Uh, Milikovic Savic had uh, some great saves in this game. Um, Torino had opportunities. Frozenone had some opportunities. Uh, but 0 0, no goals in this game. Uh, so moving on to uh, Monza and Genoa. Uh, this game was uh, entertaining as well. Uh, Genoa. Trying to stay in the city. Yeah, they had their opportunities in this game. Rettigui amongst them had lots of opportunities, missing them, missing them back and forth. It seemed like the game was going to end 0-0, but uh, Mota finally gets a goal in the 84th minute. There was a goal that happened prior to that that was called back, but Mota would end up getting the uh, the winner there in the 83rd minute. Uh, they win one nothing. Uh, the Dragusin had a great opportunity to equalize in, in I think, a 90th minute or stoppage time. Uh, somehow he misses the goal. He also had Retegui wide open in the front door. He didn't pass it to him. But uh, Genoa are going to be ruined that, especially if it comes to the end of the season and they could have used that extra point. Uh, but Monza win there. Uh, Salernitana against or hosting Bologna. It was the Xerxes show in the beginning. Uh, scored yeah. a nice goal in the ninth minute. Uh, followed up with an even better goal in the 20, 20th minute. 2 nothing. Looks like they're going to cruise away. Bologna then kind of invited Salernitana back into this game. Um, Simi, the guy we mentioned before, he's now with Salernitana. Uh, he would score a goal in the 76th minute, make it two to one. Uh, but their their hopes of coming back were all squashed when uh, Fazio gets his uh, red card in the 92nd minute. Lots of reds this weekend, Frank. Uh, but Bologna went just barely two to one at Salernitana. Speaking of uh, red cards, we'll get to in this game. Uh, Roma hosting Fiorentina. Lukaku scores a wonderful goal in the fifth minute. Uh, one nothing there. Looks like they're high and flying there at that point. But uh, Fiorentina kind of closed up shop and kind of put in more pressure on on, uh, on Roma. It helps in the 64th minute when Zaleski picks up his second yellow and gets a red card. Right? You get a main advantage there. Uh, and then in, uh, just minutes after that, like literally like a couple minutes after that, um, a nice crossing comes in from Kawame, finds um, 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 Martinez Cuarto. Gets a goal, nice header and a goal there. Makes a 1-1. Uh, Fiorentino really humming. And then they started putting more pressure on Roma there at the end. Roma starting to bend. And then Lukaku lo- loses his head in the 87th minute. Straight red for a dangerous play on Kawame. Um, studs up. Absolutely good call. Correct call there. Uh, he yeah. gets a red card. I think Mourinho ended up getting a red card. Who, who got the third red card? It was, I think one of the managers, right? Someone on the bench. Someone um, on the bench. I couldn't quite, yeah. couldn't quite make out who it was. But these two teams share the points. Uh, certainly an entertaining game. This one, Fiorentina did come on like gangbusters at the end, but you know, not surprising that you know Roma had the lead early and kind of uh, soak up the pressure. Moving on to Monday, some entertaining games. Empoli hosting Lecce. A very entertaining game. This one, uh, we got a goal from Banda. Looked like a goal we candidate upon further review. Barisha, ooh, a howler in this one. Howler. Uh, yep. Howler. Uh, so it's one nothing at that point, and then uh, they would get an own goal. Uh, Empoli would make it 1-1 they share the points this is a, still, still a pretty entertaining game for what it was but uh i think in terms of entertainment uh, it doesn't get any better than what we see in cali against sasuelo uh sasuelo early goal through ehrlich uh he gets a goal um sasuelo looked like they're sitting pretty they decided to spice things up again a red card that was from ruan in the 62nd minute so they're playing with a man down Gives wide open opportunities for cali cali struggling to get you know any goals in this one to get closer and closer but, you know, their MO is let's just wait till stoppage time and then we'll score some goals. Uh, first, 
a, a name a, a name near and dear to some of us, uh, Lapadula. Gianluca Lapadula scores a goal in stoppage time in the 94th minute. Makes it 1-1. You're thinking, oh, this game's finally over. What a game. But no, 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 no. This is Pavoletti territory. Pavoletti only shows up in the in stoppage time. He scores goal of the week candidate, maybe the goal of the week winner. Uh, in the 99th minute, a bicycle goal to win the game. Kaliri walk away or bicycle away with the three points in this one. Um, shocked, but not surprised as Pavoletti. Again, uh, where do you want to start with this week's weekend's matchups? Oh, it was a great week uh, for matches. Um, you know, I want to start with Bologna, man, because they just continue to get it done. Um, and uh, this time a win over Salernitana. Zerxi is – people are warming we, – we were we, – we had – we were <laughs> another player that we were way ahead of on everybody else. And now people are coming around talking about talking up Xerxes and he gets a brace here against Salernitana and people are all, all of a sudden acting like, uh, you know, he's some newfound thing. But, uh, if you followed city, I sit down long enough, you know, we've been on this guy for a while. So, and we thought that he was the ideal striker for this, uh, um, uh, Bologna team made it very easy to understand why, um, uh, Sorry, I'm pulling up my Serie A standings here. Um, why Bologna could comfortably move on from Arnautovic and let him go to Inter. Uh, so, you know, you like that. You like the way they're defending. Um, you know, you you know, and in general, the overall in general, the overall performance. So, I think that Bologna is a great place to start. They're sitting fifth. I still think that they will lose some steam down the road at some point that would prohibit them from being a top four team. But, um, I, you know, I, I had this in my predictions way back at the beginning of the season, and I just was shy at the very last second to put them in a European place. And I said, I am probably going to regret this. And here we are. You're on mute. Rookie. Uh, I think the one thing, what I was trying to say, what I think the one thing is plaguing them that will ultimately plague them for how high they can go is the, the lack of depth. You know, they have a good starting level. They have some depth players, but, you know, to make a, a really tough charge, especially when the season starts grinding, there is no really winner break this year. And so your players are going to be playing and playing. And, um, you know, Africa Cup of Nations is coming in January. You probably lose some players to that. Uh, many teams will be. What will you do when players get injured or they're unavailable? That's going to be the question of Bologna. If, you know, if they can get through that kind of spell, yeah, they're going to be in the mix. But I think ultimately, you know, the teams above them, they all have a little bit more depth than they do. And um, while they're playing wonderfully, they're tactically astute. They're playing very well disciplined defensively. That's what that's the one thing that concerns me with, with them right now. I think Xerxes finally starting to find some form, starting to send some goals. That was another worry that's slowly starting to go away because he's looked like he is uh, – very composed, even with the with the the misses he's had this year, he's very composed on the ball still, which is a good sign of a striker that he's gonna you know get his get his get his uh his food there. So, um, yeah, this is a good team, and they're gonna be challenges for those Europe Europa League, Conference League type positions, not necessarily Champions League, because I think that's beyond their reach, like you said. But I'll tell you that. The depth where I where I get concerned about them from a depth standpoint is striker and goalkeeper. Um, I think they've got good wingers to back up the ones that are starting. Yeah. I think they've got good midfielders to back up the ones that are starting. Good defenders to back up the ones that are starting. If Skorupski goes down for any reason, I don't yeah. have the belief in Federico Rovalia or 
Nicolo uh, Bagnolini or, or Tito Gasparini. Tito Gasparini, for some reason, is on this roster at 17 years old as a goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I have not seen enough of, of Sidney Von Hoydonk to, be, to to believe that he could just pick up the ball from Zerkze, yeah, um, and yeah. handle the position. Um, they also have an 18 year old uh, Tommaso Eboni, who you might see in some Coppa Italia games, but probably not going to see on a Serie A pitch. So it's it those would be worrying, and would not surprise me if Bologna found an experienced striker on the cheap in January to just have somebody play behind, be available behind Zerkze should the need arise, mm-hmm. but you're going to want to have somebody that's characteristically similar to him. So, uh, so we'll see how that happens. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, Roman Fiorentina, man, this was a rock fight. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, completely redefined rock fight, wasn't it? I think so. And I think when, once, once, Roma got their early goal. You know it's going to be more of a rock fight because that means they're just going to set up shop, trying to play defensively and, and try yeah. to pull it out. And that's what you got. And Fiorentina had to earn that goal in there. I think it started growing into the game slowly, slowly as they get more possession. Obviously, it helps when Zaleski gives them a gives them a man advantage, right? But uh, yeah, it's um, it's the mo of Mourinho, and you know, I think that's what Roma really wanted: is get that goal early and, and kind of stabilize and then and then play their game because you know um, they can. They can get in the shape that they're most comfortable with and just kind of see things out. And yeah, Fiorentina, they did they did the best they could with, with what they had. They still are lacking that creative spark. I mean, they're, they're relying, it almost seems like, completely on Bonaventura. Uh, Kawame's got to do better on it. He did play well in this game. Ni- this Nico, game. too. I Nico, it. Gonzalo. Yeah, absolutely, Nico. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, a, they're, they're still a work in progress, but you know, Vincenzo Italiano is a, is a wonderful manager and he got them to, to see this one out and they got, they got their points in there. So, uh, yeah, tough game, tough rock fight. We talked about for years, Nikola Milenkovic being the guy that was going to be the defender that yeah. Fiorentina would cash in on. But now I think it's going to be Martinez Cuarta. I, it has I, to be. Somebody's coming in and somebody's coming in and going to offer, uh, Comiso a lot of money uh, yeah. uh, for his services, and I don't think Comiso is going to be able to turn it down. Yeah. Um, would you take Quarta in Milan? As a depth player, he's not a starter for me. Um, I'm with you. I, I think he's still, I mean, for the way, at least for the way that Pioli wants to play. I don't think, I don't think any of the top four teams, maybe if, if you, you know, if you maybe look at Roma. No, um, Napoli. Even if you put, if you consider them top four, no. But Milan, I would take no. him over. Oh, I would take him over Rachmani. You think? Or no? <laughs> or no? I mean, over Jesus. Well, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But maybe eventually you see Natan playing in that center back role as opposed to the you know wing back. You know, and and Juve and Torino. I mean, Juve and Torino. Juve and Inter. Uh, he's not gonna play there. He's not gonna start there. No. So I mean, he's just, he's gonna be a sub player for one of the top top teams in the league. But if he goes to one of those teams in the in in the um. What group that he's in now, but why would he leave to go to a, a, a Lazio or Atalanta? It didn't make sense to him. Yeah. Fiorentina is a good spot if you're not in the top four. Lazio don't need him. Um, no, no, they got two good center backs there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say that um, the only reason why it wouldn't be Milan is because characteristically it doesn't fit. 
Um, the way they're con- currently situated in Pioli, he wants to play more high line, and you got to do that with pacier center backs like Chow and Tamori. Um, and that's ultimately what Pioli would want. Kalulu can come in there and do that too. Kiar, it changes a little bit. I wonder yeah. if I wonder if it inter it could work because you know they keep trying to put Bastoni and his performances at times are brilliant, other times are just boneheadedness, and so. A quarter maybe on the left side of the back three could help stabilize it. Maybe then you could put, well, see, you can't even put Bastoni on the left wing side because that's DiMarco got on lock uh, at the moment. And um, uh, who's the other guy who comes in? Who's his deputant? Um, oh my God, his name is escaping me right now. This really, this, you can't really, the point is, you can't take. For, for what side? Bust, who, who's DiMarco's uh, uh, backup there? Augusto. Uh, Augusto, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, both of those guys are, you know, doing well in their position. So yeah, Bastoni, you know, he's a center back at the moment. But maybe if they think he's not the guy, they want to cash in on him. Maybe Corta can fill that, you know, the left left center back position there because he's got enough pace to him. He can be dangerous in the box. He's decent defensively. So I mean, of the top four teams, maybe the best fit for him is Inter, and they are so disciplined, it might help him to be in that kind of situation. They won't have the money for him, and it sounds crazy, but he would actually be a really good fit at Bologna. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but, for sure, for sure. Uh, but you know, but we'll see. Anthony says Milan needs to move on from Simon Kiar at the end of the season. I think Simon Kiar is going to move on from Simon Kiar at the end of the season. He's kind of <laughs> he's kind of up there. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so that's the guy we got to probably keep an eye on and hope he stays in City. Uh, um, moving a little further down the list, uh. You know, looking at the relegation places, um, Verona scratches something out to try to to try to work their way out of this. I still think they're a relegation team. You know, Salernitana, it's just not getting any better. Um, People in Zaghi, yes. man. In Zaghi effect, not the C- Simone's. <laughs> the two opposite ends of the people. People had the great playing career, and Simone's having the great manager career. So it is what it is, yeah. That's kind of how that's working out. Uh, but how about Ranieri and the job he's doing at Cagliari? All I of know. a sudden, I mean, the I ship know. the ship has been righted, and you got to take a look at it in this run. I mean, how do you how do you how do you survive and and get a second season in Serie? A? Go out and beat the teams that are at your level, or beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. They are yeah. doing. I mean, and, and to pull off a win here against Sassuolo at home and get as many points as you can at home. Um, Drawing Monza, big achievement. Beating Genoa, Udinese, Lecce, all big achievements. Okay, and they got Napoli next. Imagine right. if they no, get that. I'm goal. sorry, Frosinone. They beat Frosinone. Um, but they've won five of their last eight matches in all competitions. They've got a win here. It was a friendly over Nuorese, but we can throw that in there. Okay, so four of their last seven Serie A matches. Okay, they can be excused for losing to Juve and Lazio, but uh, uh, the I would job not if they beat, and if they beat, they got Napoli this weekend. Imagine uh, they they pull that scalp, right? You can easily see a draw on that one. With the is way that a, playing. is that at the Maradona? Unfortunately for them, yes. Yeah, I, I'd give that to Napoli. I, yeah. uh, I, no, I would I think, too. I'm just yeah. saying it's a possibility, you know. But I think it's going to be closer than people think. Napoli aren't oh, walking no, that sure. game. For They're sure. not. They're just coming off of the work that they had to do today to beat Braga and get to the get to the Champions League knockout stages. Yeah, you know now they're trying to come down and play play Cali. Um, 
I think Coyote makes this interesting, but I think ultimately Napoli will have a little bit too much for them. Yeah. So, but you know, I, I like, but I like it. I like what I'm seeing. Um, We're excited for George. Okay. Yeah, we are excited for George. Good for him. Good for him. It's been, you know, he's been suffering. It's been a long 12 months. Yep. He's been suffering. And, 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 and now that now uh, Ranieri and, and these guys at Cali are providing some hope. Um, is Dionisi the next to get the sack for Sassuolo? It seems like it. They, I, everyone expects a lot more of uh, Sassuolo than what they've been doing. And, and to lose again, uh, they just drop it lower, lower the table. They're, they're what? Uh, let's see. How many, where's, my, where's the point totals here? Uh, there we go. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm trying to look at the points. Uh, you know, they're they're barely above relegation at the moment. Um, on third, uh, 15 points, just what, three points above the relegation spot. That's That's not good. That's not good. And they got all the talent in the world. They have their their attacking trio is really good. I mean, their, their top four or five players in the attack are really great, but defensively they're just they're woeful. Consili is not the same goalkeeper he was. The backup isn't any better. Um, but they they're not a 15th place team. They're you know, they're in my, the way the players that they have, they're better than Genoa, they're better than Legend, yeah. they're better than Frozen. You know, they they should be around mid table and they're not at the moment, not even close. Um so yeah, I think Dionisi is probably the next to go unless, you know, Sarri starts blowing some games here. I think, you know, he or or uh, Jordic would be the ones. But, um, yeah, I, it's, I don't know. Dionisi's days are probably numbered. Really are. Yep. They are. Yep. That's where I think the seat is warmest, I think, among all the Serie teams right now. If he At least at the bottom half of the table. Yep. If he, I mean, they're, they're the team that is grossly underachieving when you're looking at the bottom half. Uh Bottom seven teams. Lecce's just going to want to draw everybody. Four straight draws. Uh, looking through that. Torino, a little bit of an improvement in form from them. They had that nice 3-0 win over Atalanta. They follow that up by going to Frozenone and getting a 0-0 draw. Um, you know, the pieces are there to still threaten for the top half. You can only put 10 teams in the top half, though, and I like the 10 that are there. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I think what they're finally doing is starting Zapata, and he's getting more minutes mm-hmm. there, and so that's that's improved their performances. Obviously, the team as a whole, as a collective, are playing much better now. But yeah, I think the teams that are currently in the top ten have all earned their their positions there. Um, yeah. You know, from Monza all the way up to Inter, I think that's going to be hard to play all, all those teams. Uh, and so um, they're going to have to get their work cut out. They're going to have to beat the teams around them. We just talked about this with Lecce or not Lecce Cagliari. Um, if Torino wants to get in this, you know, top 10, which they, they're more than capable of, they're going to have to be the teams around them, the Bolognas of the world, the Monzas of the world, um, Fiorentinas. Uh, they have to play a lot better against those opponents, and then maybe we have a different opinion of them. But at, the, at present, I think that's about as where they're going to top out because it's the teams above them we feel are much be- that much more better with the talent, yep. managers, and, and as a whole. So, Yep, agreed. Agree with you there. Um it's, uh, it's it, you know, it's going to be interesting. I mean, just taking a look at how this league is shaping right now. Um, we're closing in on the first half of the season, and I think we're getting a very good account of things, Richard. I think there are teams that are what we thought they were. Udinese is a relegation struggler. Salernitan is stinks. We thought Empoli, Empoli, Verona be relegation strugglers. We're seeing Cali doing maybe a little bit better than we gave them credit for. 
Sassuolo is grossly underachieving. There's still time for them to get out of that funk. I think they will. Frozenone massively overachieving. (laughs) Massively overachieving. I think that they're the team that, you know, at some point the other shoe is going to drop with them and you're not going to see them 12th anymore and they're going to be battling for survival. Yeah. But Bologna to me is there to stay. They're going to be a problem for everybody else. Uh, someone, at least one, maybe even two teams. If you look at it, it's two teams right now with Atalanta and Lazio, but some team seasons are ruined right now because of what Bologna is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think the two at the top are the two that are fighting for the title. And, um, I think Milan just don't have, you know, the, either this is the, just the bad time for Milan and it's, you know, once everybody gets healthy, it gets better. Or they they're just not at the discipline that you see with Inter and Juve, um, and that they're fighting for one of the remaining top four spots. And I think it's the latter. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think it's going to be a two horse race, and then everybody else underneath them trying to fight for those last two spots in the Champions League, which will be tough and will be fun to watch as uh, for. If you're if your your team's not directly involved, it's gonna be fun to watch. Yep. Your team's gonna be involved, it's gonna be a nightmare. Yep. And Roma's fourth. I predicted him fourth. You did. You all everybody laughed at me. I did. Well, here we, and here we are. <laughs> I wish that I never changed my Juventus call. I wish I kept them at, as a champions because they have a chance. They have a chance. Inter is yep. the, the favorite, obviously, but uh Lazio second. My gosh, that's I'm getting laughed at about that now. My goodness. Yep. All right, so goals of the week. I only have three, um, so I'll just whip right through them. I've got Sakanyi's goal at number three. I've got the Muriel goal at number two. My goal of the week, Pavoletti, overhead kick for the win for Cagliari over Sassuolo. Uh, Your thoughts? Uh, Top five. My honorable mention, um, and the reason it's honorable mention is because some of the goals that you mentioned, but uh, DiMarco, honorable mention for me. Uh, just misses top five. Top five for me, Lataro, his goal. I really liked his goal, stripping the midfielder and then taking it coast to coast to score. Number four, Zakani, his back heel. Uh, really good back heel done. Uh, only reason it's four because I like Gatti's finish. I really like the pass by Cambiasso and then the finish by Gatti on the play. I thought Gatti had a monster game for them against Napoli. Number three, or number two, excuse me, I'm going to go Pavoletti. I, I, I loved his winner. But the technicality of the number one pick, which is Moranchuk to Muriel, I thought that was just brilliantly done by both of them. Granted, poor defense <laughs> that they went against, but um, Moranchuk's footwork and then assist, and then Muriel's footwork and backfield goal was phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. Truly technical masterpiece, I think. And then Pavoletti's goal was he does what he does. Pavoletti scored that goal. Um, I, I didn't shout much this weekend when I saw goals happen, but Pavoletti's, I certainly did. I just, <laughs> this guy. This guy Continues to do it in, in stoppage time all the time. Back to back weeks now, I think it was. Uh, so uh, good for him and uh, good for Kaliti. Yep, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, so so those were our picks for goals slash plays of the week. So here we are, uh, moving on to the Champions League. Richard, today, Inter could not get past Real Sociedad or Sociedad, however you Thank pronounce you. it. Sociedad. Sociedad. Excuse me. Um, I heard somebody pronounce it Sociedad a long time ago, and I'm like, I, that, you know, it's, that sometimes just sticks. Was it one of those British pundits? No, I'm just going to stop there. Probably. I think it was a British pundit. Or an American pundit. 
<laughs> same guy that probably the same guy that thinks it's insignia. So yeah, yeah exactly. Hey, but so, to, but to your point, Ros- uh, Real Sociedad or Sociedad, whatever you, pro- I can't even pronounce it wrong because you know Sociedad, they're you know they're top of the table with with Inter, you know. So I don't think either either team was bothered that they weren't gonna win the game. I think um, they're both content with seeing it out zero zero. I think both are fine. They're ready to move on and get it to the second round. Inter becomes the group runner-up that none of the group winners want to see. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's really what this comes down to. So, um, Napoli get the job done. They're helped by an own goal uh, by Sachi in <laughs> yeah. the ninth minute. And then Alcimen comes in 33rd minute. Um, really, a you know, a game we're in. And it was just kind of like, okay, Braga, you get the ball. Um, try and score four on us. If you do, you go through. If not, we're going through. Uh, Merritt came up with five nice saves in this game. Uh, Natan looked good deputizing on the left-hand side. Um, you know, they had to with, they had to withstand the pressure from Braga and Braga have some good attacking players. Pizzi started was, uh, withdrawn at halftime. Zalazar coming through the midfields. Good Horta, Bruma, Bonsa. They were all there, uh, you know, applying the pressure. Napoli withstood that. A, a, A win that might be a confidence builder for them for all competitions. They go through. As the runner-up to Real Madrid in Group C, that, and that's so. a good—that's a good performance for them to finish second in that group. Um, I, I like—I agree with you. Natan coming down the left-hand side and setting up Osimhen for that goal was nice. Uh, Osimhen nearly had a blunder on that goal. You watch because he's going for that back heel flick, hits off his other leg, and luckily it did that because it went over the keeper. Had he hit the back the back heel only, it would have probably been saved. So you know, interesting—he almost you know, spared his blushes there. But I think. Uh, Napoli. The only thing I only the only critique I have of this game with them is that both at one nothing and then again at two nothing, Mazzotti was content, and I understand why they, they had to give up four goals and they weren't going to let that happen. So they just played all out defense. Really, it felt like that, and let Braga have the ball and try to do what they wanted to do. And I don't like seeing that from Napoli. Maybe you know, maybe in Inter, Juve, yeah, okay, but Napoli. I don't know if they're built defensively like that, and you would just keep doing what you're doing and. Hey, just keep scoring more goals, or just or just hold on to the ball, and they can't mm-hmm. score on you, you know. So, but hey, they got the job done. They move on, so good for them. Uh, they're moving on to the second round. So uh, happy to see that. Yeah, and I kind of looked at this and I was like, man, they'll score one, and then they'll just say, hey, we can just hang on to this and get out of yeah, there. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. But you know, but they got a second through Osimhen, and then you know, and then after that, it was Braga really putting the pressure on, and just got nothing out of it. So, um, tomorrow's games. Atletico Madrid Lazio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a excuse me, kind of important. Um, yeah, Lazio have qualified already, but can win the group and avoid some really strong teams. When you're thinking of Manchester City, you're thinking of Bayern Munich, you're thinking of uh, Real Madrid. Um, they can avoid some of the big boys and win this group and put that pressure on Atletico Madrid, but they have to go to the Wanda Metropolitano. They are plus four fifty underdogs uh, to win in Spain. I, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm with the sharps and the betting public on this. I, I can't see it. Um, this is a talented Atleti team. Uh, they can come at you a lot of different ways. Diego Simeone can craft this team just about any way he wants. And when it's a Lazio team that has been struggling for form in the league, and now you have to go get a result at Atletico Madrid. 
uh, who boasts some of the best talent. I just don't see it for them. I think they'll be happy with their second place finish, take their chances on who they're going to get in the next round. I just think it, I think it let it go. I think it let you see this through. I don't think they just, I don't think they blow away Lazio and, you know, in the strictest definition. It, I think it's going to be something like a 2-0 win for Atletico Madrid that's not going to feel that close is kind of where I'm where I'm coming from on this. If I were Lazio, if I were managing Lazio, and we said this about Napoli a couple weeks ago, um, I would rest some players and do a heavy rotation. And I say yeah. that because you have Inter this weekend. That is a huge game for them. They cannot afford a loss in that game, uh, even though that's the most likely result. Uh, and this game really means nothing. You're you're moving on to the second round. It's going to be slim pickings that you're going to get. You're going to beat Atleti. You're not going to get beat for second place. So why not just rotate your players, give them the experience in the Champions League, get ready for Inter, and then give them a hell of a game. Um, especially you know, especially the key guys like the the Romagnolis, the Casales, the Providels, who had a howler this weekend. Um, uh, Immobile, Zakani, uh, the rest of these guys. Get them fresh for the game against Inter because. The game, this game against uh, Atleti doesn't really matter. Yeah, it'd be nice to get a win and avoid the big dogs. I agree, but if you look at the grand scheme of things, you know, Syria they gotta they gotta get back up the table. They're sitting what tenth position or whatever yeah. it is. They need to get up. They need to get some points. And so for me, I would focus on that versus the Champions League, which you're automatically going to second round. Yeah, you're gonna. Who knows? You're gonna get in the second round. But I mean, you play well, good defense. Anything can happen. Knockouts, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what I would do. But you know, hey, I understand if they want to go for it and try to beat Atleti, you know, but they're gonna get they're gonna suffer against Inter if they do. Right, right. Um, so that I've got Atleti winning the match outright, yeah. Um, yeah. and and solidifying first, Lazio taking second, going to take their chances. The 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 more important one, the one Serie A team that has yet to qualify and uh, needs a lot of help to do so. Uh, Milan travel to Newcastle. They must win. They must have Borussia Dortmund beat PSG. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've, we've said this before about, okay, so the chips are down and everything's against Pioli and all of this other stuff. And he'll pull a win out of his ass. I think he'll pull a win out of his ass. The problem is, is I don't think that Borussia Dortmund and PSG are going to play nice. I think they're going to just basically uh, – they could for 90 minutes they couldn't even they, they don't even need to touch the ball they could all just have a seat on the pitch and all enjoy a beer and chill out and relax and enjoy themselves and just say okay PSG you've got second we've got first uh we'll we'll do it this way and we'll uh uh we'll we'll see you in the round of 16 so um i that's my deepest concern um i don't trust Dortmund to beat PSG. And I think that that's what's going to eliminate from Milan from this champions. Like, well, that's not the only thing they eliminate him failing to, to win, <laughs> to win on the opener against Newcastle. Those two points are so precious and at Dortmund where they had their chances. Um, they might've lost their place in the knockout stages on the first two match days uh, through not scoring in either of those games. Does PSG have any chance of winning the group? Based on goal differential or anything like that? Uh yeah. If they beat if they beat Dortmund, they win the group. All right. So if uh, I I don't like giving advice to Dortmund for any reason whatsoever, but <laughs> they'd be fools to think that PSG will be willing to just, you know, hey, let's just see this game as a draw out, whatever, let's go out because 
you know Mbappe and company are gonna want to claim a win, scalp ahead, and finish in first place. Because, like you said, with the with the Lazio game, you'd want to finish first in your group because there are some tough tough teams in in, in the in the first position. So, um, if Dortmund, you know, were smart, they would go for this game, get a goal early, try to get a goal early, and then try to see the game out, draw or win. Versus, hey, let's just see this out zero zero because they're we they lost this weekend to Leipzig. They they can't play well defensively. They have their their mental lapses. And so if you're going to rely on a, a draw against PSG, it ain't going to happen. They're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not going to see themselves in the top position and face someone difficult in the second round. Hey, maybe Bayern Munich. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I don't think that can happen, actually. But well, maybe. Um, but I, 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 think, I think Pioli can pull something out of his ass. Uh, Newcastle did not look good this weekend. Not that Milan looked good. Um, but I think Dortmund are... They're a weird bunch, man, and it's they're they're the true Jekyll and Hyde team of Europe. When when you think they should win, they lose. When, they, when you think they're going to lose, they find a way to win. Um, unless it's against Bayern. So I'm hoping Dortmund pull do Milan a favor and win, and then Milan's got to win. Yep. Um, but for me, it's either move on to second round with Milan for Milan, or get out all the way together if they want any chance in, in the top four. Because if they stay in and go to Europa League, that's going to not be good for them. I think. It, considering their current situation. I hope Dortmund beat PSG. Mm. I think, and I believe that game is going to be a draw. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair. Milan beat Newcastle. Milan go to the Europa League. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, so Europa League, moving on there. Uh, Atalanta hosting Rockoff, which I think did Atalanta tie, lock up first with the win over Sporting last last match day. I believe I they, think did. they do it, and they're going to Rockoff, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So I think on head to head with Sporting because they beat them in Bergamo, and I think they drew in Lisbon. So Atalanta would have the head to head on Sporting if they lost to Rockoff. I don't think they're going to lose. Yeah. Uh, there. Draw, but that's it. Yeah, a draw probably might be realistic. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go draw there, and they'll secure first, um, and have to you know get out of that first playoff round uh, in the Europa League. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I don't see them being threatened of losing their top position uh, in the in this group. So um, yeah, Atalanta should be able to see this through easily. Yep. Uh, Roma host Sheriff um, while Servette head to Slavia Prague. Um, Roma have to win. It's not clear to me that if, I mean, if Slavia Prague lose to Servette, then Roma will win the group. But uh, Slavia Prague, I think with a point, qualify as the group winners and Roma would have to play the extra playoff. So, I mean, I think Roma just, clearly Roma takes care of business against Sheriff, right? They have I mean, to. They should. They should. If they don't, the, it's embarrassing. They'll win by a distance. So yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, three nothing or something to that effect. Yep. Uh, Fiorentina have secured their place in the next round of the Conference League. They travel to Ferencvaros, who I think are through as well. Um, Ferencvaros is especially through with just a point. Yeah. Uh, as they have yeah. three points ahead of Gank, so there's really uh, nothing to get really overwhelmed by there. That's. That's going to be. A, I think you're going to see a lot of rotation in that game from Fiorentina, especially coming off the game against Roma. Yeah. So, um, so expect that if you're a Fiorentina fan, you probably may not see your best team out there. So, 
Um, I think that's about as much as we need to say about the European games, right? Yeah. No, okay. I, I, I agree about that. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And now Ibrahimovic is back into our lives. He's back in with a role with Milan, most notably Redbird. So, uh, Richard, tell us about it. Yeah, uh, we we heard the rumors of Ibrahimovic possibly joining Milan at what capacity? You know, maybe like a, a supervisory role or, or uh, I don't know what you want to call it. But uh, the, from from the article, it says uh, he is an advisor to Serie A clubs management owners. Redbird Capital confirmed on Monday in a statement, the American investment firm Redbird said that the former Sweden striker who won a host of trophies as player in Italy will serve as a senior advisor to AC Milan ownership and senior management. Uh, he will be operating partner for Redbird's sport and media and entertainment investment portfolio. Will include player development and high performance training, advancing AC Milan's global brand and commercial interests, and supporting special projects of strategic importance. Okay, let's let's just get this straight. He's there to uh, help motivate the players, you know, provide some intel and, and, and information for Redbird in terms of players and how what, what they should be looking for. Um, Obviously, the rumor bill, rumor mill went a buzz once this was confirmed because people are already thinking Redbird is going to go after. You mentioned this earlier; they're going to go after uh, Pioli if they lose to Newcastle, and it's going to be Abate and Ibrahimovic coming in to to clean up shop. Um, I don't know how true that'll be, but uh, I think in the grand scheme of things, and I'm curious your thoughts that the Ibrahimovic move is a good one. Uh, I think they're lacking an identity in the in the locker room. Yeah, you got guys like a Giroud and, and a Kiar, but for the most part, it's it's a room that's a muck. It's, at least you hear from a dis- from afar, and having a guy like Ibrahimovic in and around will help, you know, calm the waters, get the young players in the in the right direction. It obviously did wonders for Leao in his career when he when he had Ibrahimovic in the in the in the locker room there. So, um, I I think it's a, it's a good move for Milan overall. How Pioli feels on this, uh, I assume he would be comfortable with it because he's had Ibrahimovic, he knows him very well. But maybe, you know, maybe he is threatened by his presence uh, in and around the team. What are your thoughts on this? It can't hurt. I mean, I guess that's basically the best way I can put it. Um, and I guess my other my other thoughts are, you know. It's one of those for me that I just I I personally need to see how this works out. Okay, um, it's not one of those. Okay, on the one end, it's great to see him back in the club and back at Milan in some capacity. Great, but I need to understand. I just I need to see it in action. Yeah. It's one of those where you just need to see it in action before you can really make a conclusion about whether or not this was a good idea or not a good idea. Yep. It can't hurt is basically the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Unless there's some ulterior motive that we don't know about uh, to get Pioli out, but uh, I won't believe it until I see it. So, yep. So I'm not going to, you know, I'd love to love to sit here and say that this is going to be amazing. And he's seen some of the chat. He could, uh, his name will attract top players and all that other stuff. I, you know, I hope that happens, but really, really just need to see this whole thing unfold um and really need to see you know the whole plan in action here it's it's not one of those where you can just sit there and make one conclusion or another so yep because we've seen legends come to clubs and it fail miserably we've seen legends come to clubs and they cultivate things and it's a resounding success you know so it's it's one of those where it's uh you know let's see some sample here first before we uh, make a judgment on whether or not this is a good or a bad thing. 
So I agree. Should I agree. be a good thing. Should be a good thing. Should be. So, so that's my best. That's the best I can do on that one, guys. Sorry, <laughs> I don't have any real in-depth analysis on this one. Yep. Um, Dominic thinks it's just throwing shit on the wall to see what sticks. Which yeah. I mean, if you're on the outside, if you're not a Milan supporter, that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. So we'll see. That's all I can say. So, um, but excited to see him back with Milan in some capacity, at least. Yep. So hundred percent. Um, you know, it, 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 it can't hurt, you know, come back to that. So, and we finish it all up, Richard. We have who won Calcio Twitter. We have a smattering of entries, not as many as we're accustomed to, but we have some here. So we might be able to find a winner out of these. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do this. Uh, first, uh, with, uh, Daichi Surmercia, uh, says, uh, I understand that you can't pronounce it, but uh, can't you just control C and control V, copy paste, F I G C? This is the trophy they gave to Havrashelia, and they put an exclamation mark, uh, or excuse me, um, apostrophe. Apostrophe, excuse me, between the K and the V. That's not how you spell his name. Oops. Come on, Xidia. Come on, F I G C. Jeez Louise, keep embarrassing yourself week after week. All right, so uh, Matteo Bonetti is trying to go back-to-back here, guys. Um, I believe that uh, we had uh, <laughs> Aurelio De Laurentiis saying, Napoli would like to win the Scudetto every year, but you already win by being Neapolitan, uh, to which uh, Bonetti said, I guess a massive congratulations is in order to Napoli fans who have actually won the Scudetto every single year since the early 90s by virtue of being Neapolitan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> clever. It is. It is. Uh, speaking of clever, guess who piled the Champions League title? This awful team. <laughs> I just love the laugh by Michael Richards. <laughs> <laughs> it was some banter going on between Milanisi and, and Interisi, but uh, Sartignan with the Michael Richards laugh. <laughs> oh, I love seeing that. Uh, I, I love that CBS crew. That, that uh, the Champions League guys are amazing crew. Yeah, fun they to are. watch. Fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, that's 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 pretty good. That's pretty good. So, all right. Uh, just Juve. Uh, our friend over there, Giuseppe. Uh, Lance ninety seven ninety eight. Leicester fifteen sixteen. Greece oh four. Union Saint Gilles twenty one twenty two. Napoli twenty two twenty three. Girona twenty three twenty four. It's always fun to see these small clubs doing miracles. Zing! <laughs> uh, take a little stab at Napoli there. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And yep. then last but not least comes from Cagliari. Comes from Cagliari. And so 89-59, nothing. 90th minute, and Axe comes through the door. It's Pavaletti. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Leo. <laughs> yeah. Good one, George. Good one. It, it wasn't George. This is Cagliari. This was Cali. Oh, Cali Calcio. Oh, yeah. George nominated it. Okay, he nominated it. Yeah, but the official official Cali uh, nominated that one or, or posted that one. It's between that and Saturnian. That and Saturnian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, actually, I, I found Giuseppe in there too. Playful. Yeah, band. yeah. No, that it's all it's all funny. Uh, yeah, I love the Mike Richards laugh. I just love that. Laugh. What's that? No, so I just like the Mike Richards laugh. Uh, what was it? So it was. Uh, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so I, I didn't. Even, we didn't even talk about this with such a new. So the original tweet was from George. Says, uh, "What the fuck?" And it's Man City currently in fourth place. Uh, that's why he said, uh, "Guess who bottled the Champions League title to this awful team?" <laughs> so it's 
So he's fucking fun to enter. So I like I like that. I guess uh I like that. You're gonna go with Saturnian? Yeah, I think the laugh sets me over the top. All right. Uh, we will go with that then. I'm with you. I'll go with Saturnian as the winner. All right, beautiful, beautiful. So that's a wrap on this one. Well, while you do that, uh, lots more games coming up. Uh, there's no international. There's no international break. Thank goodness. Uh, there's no Christmas break. It seems like there's maybe a couple days off, uh, but really not much uh, of a break this winter. Uh, this means more culture for us. Uh, we got some exciting games coming up on this weekend. I already mentioned that Inter Lazio play uh, this weekend. Other games that you might want to watch out for: Bologna against Roma should be an entertaining affair there. Lecce Frosinone, that's a sneaky good game there. I think. Um, uh, what else we got? Milan Monza it should be entertaining as well. And so yeah, those are probably the best games of the weekend coming up here. Uh, should be really entertaining stuff here. And man, you got some chance for upsets. Some chance for upsets in this one. You so get- we'll see. You got Genoa hosting Juventus on Friday. That'll be an interesting game there. Uh, you know, Napoli hosting Cagliari, which is a closer than you think uh, uh, game going on there. Lecce, if it doesn't end to your point, I think it's going to be very exciting. I like Lecce to win that game. Uh, I'll go with the uh, their, their strength and what they can do at home there. Um, and, you know, Lazio hosting Inter, Bologna hosting Roma, to your point. Great games. Uh, going to have to get up pretty early on Sunday morning. Uh, if you want to see a Rossoneri at home yeah. uh, against Monza. So uh, compelling, uh, I think, would be the best way to describe, yeah. uh, you know, some of the Serie A games next weekend, Richard. You got Atalanta hosting Salernitana on Monday. So should be good. Um, should definitely be good. Uh, but, um, you know, we will have a chance to talk about that sometime next week. We're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. We have our own... Channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. I kind of went in reverse order on that. Uh, but wherever there's podcasts, there is City I'll Sit Down if you catch my drift. Uh, <laughs> at City I'll Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Comments, thoughts, questions, topics that you want us to tackle on future podcasts. Hit us up there. Uh, we're also available on Facebook. Uh, hashtag Who Won Calcio Twitter. Uh, nominate. Uh, anything that's funny, witty, do not be a dick. Don't be offensive. Um, we won't read it. Uh, so just so you know, um, Reno, not a good idea with Ebro. Let's just see what happens. Like I said, that we, we need to see this in action. We can't just draw a conclusion one way or another, as we said, uh, I am at FTC underscore 21. Richard, where are you at R underscore K H A R M A N. And that's where you can find us. We will have. An announcement later in the week, early part of next week, when we will be on the air next week. So uh, we'll have that. It may not be next Tuesday night. Richard will talk off air about that. Yep. Um, but uh, until then, uh, enjoy the Champions League games tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of the European games and the big games this weekend. Lots of enter on Sunday for sure. Uh, until then, for Richard, I am Frank. And as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Mette in mezzo la caccia di Lorenzo e la potenza